life under the water I think is probably louder more busy than life possibly over the water um, this one day I took my hydrophones which are like underwater microphones and I put them into the lake and uh, I just waited as usual um, and after about an hour once things had settled down uh, this tapping started and I had no clue as to what I was hearing it was like uh, it was like somebody hammering an anvil uh, repeatedly over and over and over again um, and so uh, I listened for longer and suddenly I became aware of answers so there was a tapping sound and then there was a series of answering to the tapping sounds and then if you listened even harder you could suddenly become aware of a forest of these tapping sounds um, it was quite incredible and it was like a whole series of conversations that were going on under the water between all of these creatures so I recorded them for a while and later on that night I sent the recordings to a friend in the British Museum in the sound archive there and she suggested that I should send the recordings to some beetle experts, underwater beetle experts. So subsequently I sent them to, uh, to Cambridge University and uh, some friends in, in Waterford and uh, to some beetle experts in the north, in the north of Ireland. And they all were quite unanimous with what they were saying. Um, that I just was recording, I was hearing the sounds of the water boatman or the coroxids, which are a little bit like underwater cicadas. Um, very large forehead with, with kind of ridges on the edges of the temples. And what they were doing was rubbing these ridges with their, uh, with their legs to create this tapping sound. Apparently, it's the males who do this and uh, they're trying to attract a female partner uh, or trying to possibly stake their territory um, some form of communication but what I think was was quite incredible was the frequency that they were tapping and that was the frequency or the sound um, the pitch of the sound that was unique to that species um, and there's very little work or very little research done on this area uh, of uh, coroxid communication and it's an area which certainly could do with more research. Randallstown Forest is this incredibly dense forest which surrounds the northern area of Loch Ney. It's quite incredible. Um, the age of the trees and the trees that stretch down to the water's edge there. Uh, it's quite fantastic. Um, so one night during a storm I thought it would be really interesting to try and capture the internal sounds of the trees as they swayed and creaked in the wind. Um, so I took my hydrophones um, and some contact microphones and I placed them on the trees um, to try and listen to what was going on inside and uh, 
what I heard was absolutely incredible. The trees were groaning and grunting and I played it for a friend and she said uh, it sounded like these, these grumpy old men were having this argument about the, the wind and the, you know, the, the issues of the day. Loch is incredibly industrial all along the eastern coast. It's uh, heavy sand dredging and uh, there's Belfast International Airport so it's very very difficult to get quiet on Loch uh, quiet recording time. So I used to travel there pretty much every Sunday morning from around two o'clock in the morning um, and that's the time that you would get a great serenity and peace there no mechanical sound all the party people would be in bed uh, a great silence and stillness just lapping of water uh, and the great kind of f low frequency of this huge water mass out in front of you for a few hours every week uh, I think I was the only person on the shores of Loch Ness. I recall the first night I went to Loch Ness. I set the satellite navigation system on the car and just picked somewhere on the water's edge uh, and just headed, just drove through the night. Uh, it was about two o'clock in the morning when I left and I arrived at Loch Ness at about four o'clock in the morning uh, through hundreds of little villages and windy roads uh, and as I was getting closer to the sat the satellite navigation was telling me I was getting closer, but uh, I couldn't see anything of Loch Ness. Um, down windy, windy little farmers' roads and tracks, uh, and eventually the the satellite navigation system brought me down this down this field, off out to the water's edge, 
and uh, I had no clue where I was. Uh, it was pitch black, um, but I stopped the car and I got out. And uh, as the sun came up, I was standing at this immense body of water. Uh, I could see nothing at the other side. It was so huge. The curvature of the earth stopped you from seeing land at the other side. For all intents and purposes, it was like arriving at the ocean. quite incredible really um, it was a beautiful morning and the sun had just risen it was about 7.30 on a Sunday morning um, and steam was rising off the, off the lock it was like something out of a Dickensian novel it was quite incredible Just north of Tomb, a great motorway stretches down and continues down onto into Antrim. Uh, this is quite an interesting place. The pillars of the motorway reach down into the water. Um, and as the cars pass over the motorway, it sends these shock waves down through the pillars into the water. And the sound travels for miles and sound can travel up to five times faster underwater so the sound of these cars intersecting at these pillars creates a very very interesting sound probably the most interesting part of this for me is that anytime i've listened to the sound of car of water under motorways there's very little life there there's no insects or the water is very barren of any kind of insect life um, which is quite interesting. At the very northern summit of Loch Ney, just before it kind of breaks into Loch Beg. It filters through a very narrow stretch of water at a place called Tomb, which is a very interesting fishery site. In fact, a lot of Loch Ney's fisheries are based in and around the Tomb area. Again, I took my hydrophones and put them into the water in a fishery that contained thousands of eels. And this is the sound that the eels were making.
Winter is a very special time on Loch Ness as the temperature drops. Again, I dropped my hydrophones under the water and recorded the sounds of these frogs calling and baffled because this was not frog season. So I sent them to a friend, a frog expert in the UK, who predicted that what I'd stumbled across was frogs competing for the best hibernation sites on the bottom of Loch Ness. I arrived at a place called Cranfield Church, which is an old monastery there, um, one of the first settlements with the monks um, who lived there uh, in the 12th and 13th centuries. And uh, it's a very special place. And uh, that night, um, again, it was about five o'clock in the morning and the sun hadn't come up yet. This this storm raging. And um, I was looking, standing with the, with the monastery behind me, uh, looking down onto the, the lock and all kind of as the water was coming in was quite calm uh, and you wouldn't think it was the same S- sea that was raging uh, to the west of me um, but I was looking down uh, kind of due east and I could see the lights of Antrim uh, and down a bit further you could see the lights of Belfast International Airport and uh, all across the horizon then you could see more lights as they faded off into the distance. So just below the church is this boardwalk that stretches out into the water and I walked down to the edge of that and uh, I had these special microphones which were underwater microphones and then I had them on a very long cable 
about a 30 meter cable and I threw them out into the middle of the water and uh, had a listen to see what I could hear. said that Loch Ney, uh, there's, a, there's an underwater town under Loch Ney, uh, and what I was hearing here, it sounded very creepy, especially that time in the morning. boardwalk there are these poles which presumably would have held lanterns or lights at some stage in their history and with the wind raging across the top of them it was kind of creating a Helmsold effect where the poles were actually rattling uh, with the wind and the wind was creating these tones and this sound and it was very very special sound so I took some of these contact microphones which are like little piezos and strap them onto the side of these poles all the way along the boardwalk and uh, just recorded the sound that they were making. underwater sounds that were coming from the lock. Uh, you could hear all of these bottles and tires and uh, swirling under the water somewhere deep. Uh, and you could hear that uh, with these bottles tinkling away. About one-third of the world's population of hoopoe swans um, come to the loch uh, from around October onwards. They, uh, they come down from Iceland and apparently uh, it's a journey that they make in eight hours. Uh, it's quite incredible when you think about it. Uh, they set off from Iceland and, and they fly south um, to, the, to the milder weather um, and in just eight hours they're arriving in, in Loch Ney. So over the course of a, a couple of months, the population swells uh, to thousands of birds. And um, so I travel there with my microphones and I set them up and 
it was quite incredible. I had um, mallard uh, ducks all around me and I had uh, blackhead gulls flying in on top of me and I was trying to feed them. Uh, and down uh, just just below me were all these hooper swans and it was quite an incredible sound. barges. Hundreds and hundreds of barges are scattered all along the coastline. Many of them just sit there rusting at this stage and in two I came across a very interesting barge, quite a large barge. Um, so I thought it might be interesting to take my microphones and do a soundscape of a barge. So I took some hydrophones and I popped them into the barge uh, to record the inside space as the barge was hitting against the side of the of the harbour. Uh, and this is the kind of sound that it was making. Coney Island is a very special island, um, probably because it freezes over quite a lot. Uh, the waters around Coney Island become very susceptible to ice during the winter time, and also the trees there. Uh, if the frost 
uh, that forms in the trees creates icicles and it becomes a very special winter wonderland like an ice kingdom uh, apparently the warden there has a lot of trouble uh, if he gets stuck there during the ice he could be there for months uh, and in fact has been there for, for a very long time um, waiting for the ice to thaw uh, but the ice as it's freezing over creates a very incredible sound and the icicles in the trees as the wind blows <laughs> 